At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the look ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSN, the sports betting network. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is the look ahead here on VSN, the sports betting network. Always on Twitter at Scott's on air, S C O T T S O N A I R. Uh, big news coming out of Bucks camp. Well, it's nothing new. We knew that Tom Brady was not going to be present for a little while. And this was a pre-planned absence. No one knows why Tom Brady is not with the team. Nobody knows where Tom Brady is. He has been away from the team since August 11th. It has been described as personal reasons. And I don't want to speculate on any personal issues that he's dealing with. Whatever. And, you know, people go through stuff. Um, Todd Bowles, though, was was asked about Tom Brady's absence. And on Thursday, he said he wasn't sure when Brady's coming back. Quote, we'll see. We'll talk about it next week. Not concerned about it right now. We're trying to practice against Tennessee and playing a game. I said, sometime after Tennessee, there's no definitive date for me, but we'll check on it. We'll keep in touch, and we'll find out. Hmm. That's the quote from Todd Bowles. Brady, this is the first time he has taken significant time away from training camp. Um, did miss OTAs when he was with the Patriots, but, you know, those are optional practices in the spring. But this is, you know, an approved absence for an extended period of time during a really important stretch of training camp. Now, does Brady need to go through the playbook? No. Does Brady need to get his reps in? No, he's fine. Brady comes back next week. He's good. But this is really interesting to to think about, you know, the longer he's away from the team, does it impact them as the regular season is about to start? But speaking of speculation as to where Tom Brady is, I saw something on Twitter today that is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, Kendall Valenzuela, who is a fantasy football analyst, um, put out a video that, to me, makes a lot of sense. Now, I just can't see it happening because the, the PR hit would just be ridiculous. But she speculated that Tom Brady is away from the team And it's all hush-hush, and we don't know where he is because Tom Brady is filming The Masked Singer. 
Now, The Masked Singer is a show on Fox where celebrities dress up in costumes and perform karaoke, and then the judges try and guess who is underneath the mask. In the past, it's a Fox show. Fox analysts, Terry Bradshaw, and Fox, oh, at the time, Fox play-by-play guy Joe Buck have been on the show, as well as former Tampa Bay Bucks, Antonio Brown, and Rob Gronkowski. And with Tom Brady signing that multi-million dollar, what is it, $25 million deal, whatever he signed with Fox this past year, offseason, so that when his playing days are over, he joins Fox as an analyst, and he has already agreed to be on Fox shows and all this stuff. What if part of that Fox deal was, hey, Tom Brady, you're going to be on The Masked Singer? That would be such a ratings move for that show, by the way. But wouldn't it be such a, a hit to Tom Brady and and really have an, I don't want to call it like a legacy impact, but I mean, my dude takes two weeks away from training camp to be on a reality show? When your team's going through a transition, handing the reins over to a new head coach without your weapons there, you know, without Gronk, Godwin Hurt, and just seems like, you know, the offensive line getting banged up. Just seems like, yeah, it, this is this fan theory is great, and I love it. But if it's true, it would be damning to Tom Brady. So I don't think that's the case. Um, I don't know where Tom is. But as long as he's back next week, I think everybody's fine. You want to know uh, something that's hilarious? Um Speaking of uh, one side note here, as I'm on Twitter and I'm looking to uh, for everything, looking through things. Remember how I said I tweeted out my friend Jordan Montgomery greater than Frankie Montas thing? Well, of course, because of what happened today for the New York Yankees, Jordan Montgomery is trending on Twitter or was trending on Twitter today. <laughs> so I think that I find that actually pretty uh, funny. But we were all thinking the same thing, right? Frankie Montas gets lit up. While Jordan Montgomery yesterday or the other day has an incredible start, yeah, obviously people are going to have the same reaction that uh, I had. So anyway, that was a very funny uh, theory by Kendall. Appreciate that. The video is great on Twitter. Uh, Good job by her. It would be hilarious if that was the case, although I really don't think that that's what it is because it would be pretty bad PR for Tom Brady, and I don't think he's about that. The guy that's always like the hardest worker in the room, first one at the facility, last one to go home, uh, takes a couple of weeks off here to do a reality show for Fox. Nah, I I don't think that that's the case. Uh, Taking a look now at the preseason and uh, where we were last week versus where we are now after Thursday's game, last week it was all about the overs, right? 14-3 and if you include the Hall of Fame game. And we talked about this before, a multitude of reasons um, that led to the overs. My number one reason was the lack of hitting in practice, the lack of preparation that these guys have had for actual football gameplay. We all know that the amount of practice time is limited now with the CBA. The amount of contact is limited. The players are wearing those you know, special caps on their helmets. And they're, they, they just, after, you know, well, leading up to the first preseason game, they're not ready. 
They weren't ready for contact. They weren't ready to hit. They weren't ready to tackle. And what did we see? Sloppy tackling, sloppy defense, hesitant play to avoid injuries, and it led to a bunch of overs. Here in week two, the books have adjusted, and I think we are headed towards unders. There were zero games in week one that were lined at 40 or above. There were at uh, as of a couple of days ago, there were nine games in week two of the preseason that were lined at 40 or above. That number has gone down to six as sharp money has come in betting the under in these games. And look at what happened here with the Bears and the Seahawks. This one was over 40. With the news that Drew Locke was not going to play because of COVID, it obviously shot down as people bet in on the under. I recommended a bet in on the under when the number was first posted. I recommended a bet in on the under as the number continued to go down. And the under came in, just barely, but it still came in. And the fact that you were sweating it at the end means that it was a play anyway, right? Like, no one that hits the over on the last play of the game is going to themselves, you know what, the over was the right side. No, like, that just happens. I mean, that's variance, right? You know, you bet a game total, you bet it to go under 38, and due to a last-second field goal, the game hits at 39 or 40. Like, dude, that happens. But... This was an under game the entire way. It was 17-0 at the half. And so 27-11, the final score, Bears and the Seahawks. We now have a couple of games coming up here on Friday. So taking a look at the preseason games here for Friday and the totals and what we like. I like the unders. I really do. And this is what we're seeing. uh, Panthers, Patriots with a total right now of 39.5. We have the Seahawks, uh, excuse me, the Saints and the Packers with a total of 38 and a half. And we got the Texans and the Rams with a total of 38. All these numbers have been bet down. And to me, I still think they go under. Now, keep in mind, of the teams that I just mentioned, of the games that I just mentioned, several of them feature teams that had joint practices all week. The list of the joint practices this week of those teams that are playing on Friday, the Patriots and Panthers had joint practices, the Saints and the Packers had joint practices, and that's it. No joint practice for the Rams and the uh, Texans. But earlier we had the uh Patriots, Panthers lined at 41 just a couple of days ago. As of, what, Monday night, it was 41. Now the total is 39.5. The Saints and the Packers was 39.5 on Monday night. Now this thing is down to 38.5. Money coming in on the unders, and that's, I think it's a smart move. It's an overreaction by the books to pump up these numbers to the over. And with all of the square money coming in on the over, because of the 14-3 and record from the overs in week one, the unders are clearly the play here in week two of the preseason. The joint practices mean that the starters get looks during the week. In live game sim- simulations, they don't have to play in the preseason games. The coaches have seen enough during the week of practice that they don't need to throw their players out there in the preseason games to get them to run the risk of injury. They just don't need to. 
So I think unders are the way to go. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air. S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Really looking forward to our next segment. We're going to have a conversation with Steve Fats Diano, a longtime professional uh, gambler. We're going to talk to him about his kind of journey through this industry, the evolution he has seen uh, in this industry, and some advice that he would give to people that might maybe not getting started, but people that have been in the industry for a while that want to get better, including... Uh, his mantra, which is you can't make a good bet, a better bet by making a bad bet. Steve will explain coming up next. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Visit This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Sattenberg back here with you this at Bed365. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Always on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. My next guest you can find on Twitter at real underscore fats. He is Steve Diano, the man they call fats. And Steve, thanks so much for giving us some time here on VSIN. Really great to talk to you. I want to start off with your background. Uh, how long have you been uh, you know, professionally betting, when did you get started, and just your evolution here as a professional gambler? Well, let's to try and make it quick. I got started in high school just betting. I had a friend whose father was a bookie, so I kind of, and a neighbor who used to bet with people. So I kind of developed my interest there. And um, as time went on, I went to college. I had a, a bookie there I was referred to. And I kind of got a feel for, you know, how to get a little bit of an edge. And the big thing back then was trying to find a middle, see how many, if you could get multiple bookmakers and find a middle. And uh, in 1980, or summer 88, I decided to, I was taking a cross-country trip uh, to see all the ballparks. And... uh, I had a comp room in Vegas for somebody I knew who was the manager of the sports book. And I was talking to him and I said, can you get 
a lot of because I would look at the opening line sheet and I said, really, that you, those lines were there at some point? <laughs> and they'd be like, yeah. And I was like, wow, you could bet between there and the bookies back home, you could probably middle. So he said, of course you could. So I, I devised this totally ill-advised plan that I was going to move to Vegas for three months from college basketball season from January 89 through the college basketball. And with a bankroll of about five or $6,000, I thought I was going to be middle in games between Vegas and my bookmakers back East. And well, I mean, mathematically, when you go back and think about it, that was a pretty dumb idea <laughs> because I wouldn't have had enough. Like if I won one week, one word, I wouldn't have had the, the flexibility of bankroll to, to pull it off. So, but as I was going out there, a bookmaker I was betting with locally said, hey, we got a guy out in Vegas that bets for us. And I didn't know what that meant. And so I got introduced to the guy and uh, he worked for this guy who was a businessman back where, uh, where I lived. And so instead of doing what I was going to do, I became a runner for them for mm. a couple of months. And then the guy who was running that group out there, he really didn't want to do it anymore. And then I, I kind of took over his spot. And then I was running that crew of a couple runners out there for a few months. And then uh, once I was doing that, I really had like a, a whole grasp of the whole town. And uh, I was an established crew out there. And uh, that held on until, let's see, I met, uh, well, then 1992 was um, Billy Walter's uh, computer trial. Mm -hmm. And that was going to be a big, that was like a landmark trial in gambling because if he lost, he was being charged with being a better. And if they lost the computer trial, then it was a matter of everything we're doing is illegal. And if they won, then everything we're doing is okay. So the businessman said, all right, we're, you be at that trial every day, take notes. Um, and I have a notebook still that's got all the notes from the trial every day. Wow. I sat in the first row right behind Billy Walters. Um, I have a packet of all the newspaper articles from that were printed every day from that, that trial. And then through that trial, I got to meet Billy because I was sitting behind him every day and eventually introduced him to the businessman. And then they started doing some business. And then the businessman had taken on a new partner and they, they wanted to cut back on the Vegas expenses. And that gave me an opportunity. Billy scooped me up in a second. I went to work for Billy one year which was like the last piece of education I really needed. Sure. And uh, at the end of that year, Billy wanted to uh, offered me less than what he offered me the year before. And I said, no, I'm not, I'm not taking a pay cut. To, I said, I'll just go on my own. And that's what I did. Well, it's incredibly interesting. And yes, the last piece of education you needed from the legendary Billy Walters and you know, when you talk about working with groups and, and we know like that, you know, the history of that here in town and, and how, you know, certain syndicates still involved and, and in, in betting certain numbers and manipulating certain numbers. Uh, how important is that to the sports betting game? Like the difference between originators and movers? Um, 
Well, obviously, the originators have the information first. The movers, it depends where they are on the pecking order, how fast they're getting the information. Um, one of the things that I did when I first started on my own, because I wasn't in a position to be betting 10, 20,000 a game, but we were always trained if we had something worth betting, you bet it for the limit. So let's say I would go into a casino and the line would be, uh, there would be a seven and the game was kind of six, six and a half out there. And I could take the seven and it was good for, let's say it was good for five dimes, but I only wanted to bet two dimes. Mm -hmm. Well, I wasn't going to bet two dimes and let it move it. I have to bet. I just have to bet it for five dimes. But what I did was, what most people would do is they would bet it for the five dimes and then they would just try and buy it back or something like that. What I did, I didn't care if I bought it back because I know that was the side I'd want to go in on. What I did instead was I would talk to the very sharp people that I'd known and say, hey, I got a little extra plus seven on this game. You want a nickel or a dime? Mm. And you give out little nickel dime trinkets to everybody and now you're kind of on the inside. Then when you need information or something like that, you always can get it. And that's how I built up all my information just from helping people, just giving out little good bet trinkets, you could call them. Absolutely. Has that become easier now with all the information that's out, being able to shop around uh, from book to book to find those numbers? Yes and no. It's, it's, it's six of one and half a dozen of the other because the some of the... Um, Obviously, if you're getting too many good numbers, places will shut you. These U.S. books will just shut you down and, mm. and cut you to cut you down to nothing. But uh, you had mentioned my mantra earlier, but I also have another mantra that really kind of explains the um, the industry pretty good. And I like to say, in this industry, it's not what you know or who you know; it's what who you know knows. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot because you know you're it's it's a it's building up your network and then going off of that network's information, right? And that's I mean, and that's what it comes down to. It's it's the people you know. It's what they know that, that that's the key, not so much what you know. I mean, you have your own skill sets, but it what who you know knows. Yes, so it's important to then team up and and be able to share that information in order to maximize your success because going at it alone, frankly, you're not going to have the same type of success. No, not, I mean, not, I mean, if you're going straight for CLV and uh, just trying to beat the numbers, I mean, you can have that success, but when you know, know all these people, you're going to get, you're going to beat, see it, get CLV beaten a lot easier because you're going to kind of be on the front end of a lot of a lot of information does that info work the other way as well like if if you're on a side but you find out somebody's on the opposite will you buy off of it does it change your view based on somebody else's information um certainly certainly and now also it always depends on the information i mean if i have a piece of information why i originally bet it that I'm pretty sure the people betting the other side don't have, then I might be likely to stick with it. But generally, over the course of time, if you have if you have opposition when you're playing, it's usually a good idea to just kind of bail and be even mm -hmm. and just reevaluate. 
I used to, we used to have this, this used to happen all the time. Some of the big offshore books, it would take like uh, 10, 15,000, let's say 10,000 a, a pop. You would call them up and you'd say, give them your account number. And then you say, what's the line on Pittsburgh? And they say, four, give me a Pittsburgh minus four for the limit, 10 dimes. And then you would get the, you'd hear the clerk running the, who was managing the book in the background. And he might say, tell him he can have 20. <laughs> and the clerk would say, if you want, you could have 20 on that instead of 10. And my answer to the clerk always would be, I don't even want the original 10 now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, that's exactly what my reaction would be as well. Uh, Steve, hang on. I want you to explain your mantra coming up next. The mantra that's on your Twitter handle, uh, which is at real underscore fats. You can't make a good bet a better bet by making a bad bet. Steve will explain that coming up next. I'm Scott Seidenberg. He's Steve Fats Diano. This is The Look Ahead here on VC. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Pocket Cash with popular picks. Join Levi's 501 Pop Culture Pools for free and answer questions for a shot at a share of $10,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Levi's now to get in on the action. Levi's, buy better, wear longer. Terms and conditions and other eligible restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network, rejoined by professional gambler and uh, gambling expert, Steve Fats Diano. You can follow him on Twitter at the real, uh, or at just real underscore fats. And on your Twitter bio, Steve, you have your mantra there, which is, quote, you can't make a good bet a better bet by making a bad bet. Please explain that for the audience. Okay, well, a good bet is a bet where you really beat the number pretty good. And a lot of times when somebody beats the number, like let's say they take seven on a game, and now the game's four. Well, the initial reaction to most people is, oh, great, now I can lay back four and play a middle. And so now they, have, they had a, a bet at plus seven, and now they lay back four. Well, if the game's four everywhere, painted four, there's in and of itself, there's no value to bait to to laying for or taking for. It's just a you're just making a bet. It's a it's a bad by definition, it's a bad bet because you could bet it anywhere for as much as you want. So the the fact that you took seven doesn't make all of a sudden make laying four better just because you have seven. All, what it actually does is it depreciates the value of your your plus seven so you can't make a good bet plus seven a better bet by making a bad bet minus four is there an opportunity to ever make that a better bet or the bet is just as good as it's going to get because you've completely beat the line well you want to keep the there's now let the games four everywhere and now you find a three somewhere there's nothing wrong with playing three mm -hmm. minus three to the other side because in and of itself, minus three when the game's four would be a good bet. So you can make a good bet, a better bet by making another good bet. Yes. 
but you can't make a good bet, a better bet by making a bad bet. <laughs> so basically, people, th this is the term that most people that play middles, if anybody who middles uses this term, then the chances are they're, they got a lot of money. They may be still making money middling, but they're letting a lot of money leak out the door. And that's when they use the term, I've got to close that game. Mm. And when they use the term, I've got to close that game, that means they already have so much on a certain side and they've already decided they're buying back so much on the other side, no matter what the, basically no matter what the spread is, because it's still better than what they initially took. And instead of buying it back, they'd be better off if they just gambled on the original bet most of the time instead of buying it back. So when somebody says they've got to close a game, they're, they're uh, leaking money. How long sometimes is the window of opportunity to grab a number? Like if you see a number that's out there that is off from the rest of the market, does that last long? Is it as soon as somebody hits it, it moves? Like, is it oftentimes a small window of opportunity? It depends really on the location of where that is. For example, in the casinos, um, like the Vegas casinos like that you see on Don Best or something like that, the they tend to move slower so if like a lot of the offshore market goes from seven down to six and a half and six you can probably you know as the market's moving if you can get a guy to a because you probably have time to still get a guy to a casino and still grab a seven it's still sitting there because mm -hmm. you have to have somebody actually get there with the money to bet or have an account or whatever um so in the in that case, you're going to find, uh, you know, that's a case where you might find the better number. Uh, in a case of an injury, it's you got about fifteen seconds, ten seconds, five seconds sometimes to ju jump. Like if you find out no LeBron James, well, you better be already have your bookmaker on the phone or be logged into an account to bet when you get that information because within five minutes, within 10 seconds, that game's going to be off the board and the line's going to be moved. Yeah. Which is like, you know, why Twitter has become so valuable, but also, you know, it can be ridiculous. Like the movement that we saw in the NBA draft when uh, Adrian Wojnarowski tweets out an incorrect take and all of a sudden manipulates the entire market of who's going to go number one overall, literally by the second. I'll tell you, I was hosting the night that um, he had tweeted out, and I'm not sure how familiar you are with what happened, but Woj, you know, breaks the story that uh, it's going to be Jabari Smith number one and, you know, and Paolo not number two or whatever, or Paolo not number one, and I'm on the air watching my computer screen. It was almost like watching a, the stock market and watching the lines just continue to move and move and move, it was one of the most surreal things I've ever experienced. And then, of course, the next day it becomes a retraction, and Paolo Boncaro winds up being the number one overall pick in the NBA draft. But the market fluctuation that occurred during the time I was live on the air, something like I've never seen before, and that's the power of social media. Well, there was a situation similar to that 
on an NBA prop. I think it was Golden State. Somebody was coming back, and they weren't going to um, play them, but they were ceremonially going to start them. So they were going to play the first, like, five seconds of the game, yep. and then that's all they were going to play. Yep. And so when they tweeted out that they were going to do that, People buried all the props, all the unders, that yeah. Player on the under, and you know, then there was stories that then DraftKings threw a bunch of players out and and claims to have lost millions on um on that prop. Now I don't know how they lost that much because if they if they lost millions on that prop when that happened, I think what happened was I think I think a lot of those books were paying out both sides. Just as like a, like a marketing thing, like to give it to the customers. That was when it was Clay. It was Clay Thompson's first game back, and Draymond Green had started ceremoniously and then exited the game after committing a foul on the opening tip off, and uh, right. everyone hammered all the unders on Draymond Green points, rebounds, assists, all that stuff. This was like a, it was a big deal, and I think they wound up actually paying out both sides as a result. Well, they, they, I believe they did that, but also they were saying the amount of money. I mean, you have a small window there to get down. So, yeah. I mean, you know, you're talking about a prop. You're not talking about something that they're taking 20000 a pop on. Sure, sure, sure. The draft, they're, they're, you know, what are they taking, a dime, two dimes at most, if they're taking that much? And then the number of people to have seen that and taken advantage of it, mm -hmm. and then on top of that, and if they were getting that much money down on it, you know, then somebody in their trading departments, what's he just sitting there just watching the, the position pile up and not doing anything <laughs> to adjust it? So, I mean, but that's a similar situation to the social media dictating a, a, a huge line move. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the power of it right now. I mean, this is the world that we live in here in 2022. It, the power of social media to move lines. Um, CLV. One of the biggest topics of discussion in the sports betting game. When someone mentions to you closing line value, what's your reaction? That's everything. It's all about having closing line value. Um, now, getting closing line value on every bet you make is not the easiest thing. I mean, if you're following sharp people who are always going to win, then you're going to bet, and then by the time the game start, your bet should usually be at a number that's better at least by a half a point or a point than what the closing line is. And in many cases could be two, two or three points if you're getting the right information, the right um, level of information. But I have um, uh, an explanation. I don't know if I could do it within a minute here. Well, that's fine. We can get to it. We can get to it coming up next. I'd love your thoughts on it and, and the explanation as to uh, the importance of it. And I also want to ask you um, about buying points. Uh, there's a lot of people that you know are against it. There's a lot of people that are for it. Teasers, the same way. People talk about the traditional Wong teasers as the end-all, be-all, and non-traditional teasers they kind of scoff at. So I'd love to get your thoughts, uh, the continuing thoughts on closing line value, 
buying points, and also your stance on teasers coming up next. He's Steve Fats Diano. You can follow him on Twitter at Real underscore Fats. I'm Scott Satterberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. More of this fascinating discussion coming up next here on The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VSIN College Football Guide is out now, and our NFL Guide drops next week. Our experts provide profiles of every team with team trends, power ratings, and over under. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Recommendations, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Remember, the only way to get access to this year's football betting guides is to become a VSIN All Access subscriber. Sign up on our discounted football special and get access to everything we do from now through the Super Bowl for only $175 or save 50% off the monthly price with an annual subscription and bet smarter all year long. Go to vcin.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. Scott Seidenberg back here with you on the look ahead here on vcin, rejoined by Steve Fats Diano, who you follow on Twitter at real underscore fats. And I want you to finish your thought that you were explaining about closing line value, why it is everything in terms of being successful in the sports betting game. All right. Well, I'm going to give you uh, an example of a challenge that, or not so much a challenge, but something I'm going to probably chart this year. Okay. Um, just to, as an example or an experiment of closing line value. But let's say you take, everybody says that, but you have to pick winners, blah, blah, blah. And I say, you don't have to pick winners. All you have to do is beat the line. So let's say you took 20 games and you just picked out of a hat each week to get your 20 selections. And I, now normally you should be 10 and 10. That's what you would expect picking 20 games out of a hat. Now, if a line mattered just 5% of the time, which would be one out of 20, then, and you beat the line by one point, closing line by one point on every game then you would be at worst case if one game one out of 20 
spell, you'd be either 10, 9, and 1, or you would be 11 and 9. Both are a small profit. So, in order to prove that theory, I'm going to take pick 20 games each week, and then I'm going to sign them one point better than whatever circuit closes on the game. And then I'll post the results each week, and I'm predicting that the hat will do just as well as any handicapper that just picks winners. But wouldn't the num wouldn't the one come into play or be more valuable if it was around a key number? Like if it was around if obviously if a game is lined up at three and you move it to four, that's more valuable than if the game is at twenty two and you move it to twenty three, like in college football or something like that. Absolutely. Absolutely, that would be much stronger. Um, so there, obviously there's points that are going to be more stronger than others. Um, but as a general sense, uh, um, just to, I mean, if you're sitting there all day and you're getting beating the number and you're getting the right number, you're going to beat the closing line in football by the end of the week. By the time you have your 20 best bets, you should beat the line by more than a point on every game. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that at a minimum, you're one out of those, you should be 10 and 10 by definition. And one out of that 20, that number should make a difference in one out of 20 games. And that should put you over the top. Um, That's interesting. When, so, it, when, it, when it comes to those key numbers, are you a proponent of buying points? So if you can, if you can buy, let's say you buy a hook and it's only going to cost you 10 cents off of a three to three and a half, um, you, you, you would advise that you, you like buying the points. We used to do, we were on the market used to be able to, to buy uh, a half a point on and off three in the NFL and lay, um, go from 10 to a quarter. 15 so cents. Okay. 15 cents, an extra five cents over a normal half point buy. And then, then they went to 30 cents, and now most places charge an extra 25 cents. It's like 35 you have to go to. Yeah. But when it was, what we used to do is we used to take a game that was like either two, two and a half, three, or three and a half. And if it was three and a half, we'd call up and bet plus three and a half for 50,000. They'd move it to three. Then we went. They went to three. It's okay. Now we'll lay back two and a half minus a quarter for fifty thousand. And we would do that. We'd just play for the three. Um, and eventually, they used to love writing it until they didn't love writing it anymore. Yeah, until the games then, actually then, landed then, on then three. Caused, then they then they started going to twenty cents, and then eventually they're where they are now. It's ridiculous so anytime you can find where you can take that extra half point across three and you're beating what that normal buy would be mm -hmm. absolutely you take advantage of it yeah i love that uh what about teasers what's your stance on teasers are you uh, more of a traditional wong teaser guy or will you go with a non-traditional teaser let's say maybe even going across zero which uh, many people claim is a uh, losing proposition well, the big the big favorite of most people's teasers is they tease down below two and a half, so they get through the seven and the two. Yep. Um, I I like to always make sure I get down to minus a half on 
on a lot of those. Although I, I will go to one or one and a half on. So on es- essentially getting a t- essentially getting a team at a pick'em. Right, but there is um, an edge to be had on. Let's say a game is three minus twenty or three minus quarter. So the book doesn't really want to move off the three. Well, there's a spot where you can use a six and a half point teaser and get to three and a half the other side. Because really, at three minus a quarter, it's almost three and a half. So now you're teasing it using a six and a half point teaser, and you're basically getting almost seven points. So you're 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 gaining value on that. And if you have like a couple teams that are minus three, minus a quarter, and you put them together, well, now you're you're beating the value of the teaser. That makes a lot of sense. And I want to repeat that because I don't think, I want to make sure that people understand that. You know, when you are getting a side that's minus three, but it's juiced at minus 120, you can go across zero, get the other side at plus three and a half, and it's the same juice, essentially, that you would be playing on the three uh, it's different if it would be minus three, minus one ten, right? That's what we're getting at here. Well, basically, when when you play a teaser, the teaser doesn't recognize the juice on the actual one game. It's, yeah, it's just so the point. Yeah, three minus a quarter is treated the same as if it was three flat. Mm-hmm. So when it's three minus a quarter, that minus three side is stronger. So now that's a good time to go off three across the way to plus three and a half on the other side. I like that. Get the extra value of the of the three there. I like that. Something I would definitely start to pay attention to. Uh, you play, what about totals? Do you play a lot of totals? I mean, here in the preseason, we've seen, you know, uh, overs were 14 and three the first week of the preseason, including the Hall of Fame game. We had the first game here of week two. I talked about the books adjusting, over adjusting to the overs, and uh, I started betting some unders. The numbers have gone down. So obviously, people have come in, sharp money has come in on the unders. Do you, monitor the totals market when it comes to these games? Uh, not in particular. I mean, if I've got somebody that gives me, you know, good info or something on a particular game on the total, then I'm, you know, I'm going to be all over that. I'm not going to just jump out. Okay. All the games went over. I know there's going to be, I know there's going to be the reverse bias and all that and all that stuff's going to come into play, but I, I don't, everybody's trying to do that. I, I try not to, fight with the masses sure. on uh, on stuff like that. Yeah. Let everybody have their fun and think they, they discovered plutonium. Yeah, exactly. But it's still nice to, uh, like as you mentioned, closing line value. There's no better feeling than betting a game and then seeing uh, the number close at a, at a price that is much different than what you have. Steve, this is a great conversation, man. Thank you so much for all the insight. Um, again, I love the mantra. You can't make a good bet, a better bet by making a bad bet. Uh, so I love that more sports betters could learn from that mantra. And I do appreciate the insight and I hope we do this again real soon. Anytime. Let me know. Happy to come back. There he is. Steve Fats Diano. You can follow him on Twitter at real underscore fats, uh, professional gambling expert, just, uh, has a wealth of knowledge and has been in the game for uh, a very, very long time. The experiences that he's had, the groups that he has worked with, uh, some of the legends in this game. So we appreciate his time and his insight and giving us the information here on VEASAN.
I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. We're going to continue the football conversation coming up next hour. We have a little football roundtable discussion to get into. Uh, plenty of preseason games coming up here on Friday. Where is Tom Brady? We don't know. Care. And Major League Baseball as well. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare 